horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Okay, thanks for joining us. The waiting is over. The Breeders' Cup is upon us. In less than 24 hours, the gates will be open. It all happens on Friday to start it off. Now, Friday's going to be kind of the stars of the future, and it's going to be all different divisions of the two-year-olds and uh, then Saturday we're going to get into the older horses so try not to get ahead of myself I'll let you know who's going to be with us to give you the the best bets Ed Meyer who was supposed to be in this segment um, is in the midst of a uh, flood ensued uh, uh, power out in northern Kentucky hopefully not central Kentucky where the Races are going to happen in Louisville on Friday and Saturday. Anyhow, Ed was nice enough to somehow get to a uh, uh, computer. His phone was dying, but he did, as we say, mail it in. He literally mailed in his selections for the pick four, which is what we were going to concentrate on. So Ed will still be with us here in spirit. But willing to go to bat for Ed is none other than horse tourney's Eric Wing, who was nice to do it on a whim, but the thing is, I know that Eric is always way ahead of the curve and has a lot of his handicapping done, and he is our boots-on-the-ground man at Churchill Downs. He's on site uh, as we speak, so we'll be talking with Eric Wing. And then in the second segment, none other than Dan Illman from the Daily Racing Form the uh, captain of the ussdrf.com. And Dan, of course, uh, specializes in a lot of two-year-old races all summer long, so we will take advantage of that. I uh, hope you get to watch his Spa Babies segment on drf.com. And, uh, but I don't want to pigeonhole him as a two-year-old guy, though I will be leaning on him for his comments in some of the juvenile races, uh, some of them very unique, like uh, a turf sprint for two-year-olds. Of course, uh, a lot of European invaders and uh, just like Ed would be able to share with you, there's been a lot of rain in the central portion of the country just over the past, I'll say, 18 hours, but it has been incessant. It has not stopped. It wasn't always heavy, heavy downpours, which, of course, the weatherman tried to scare us with earlier part of the week, but it did not stop. So uh, I, I know it was a sloppy track at Churchill Downs today. Congratulations to my friend Ron Pellucci, who won the $100,000 stake down there this afternoon. Uh, but uh, So it was a sloppy track today, but you know, Churchill has an amazing way of drying out. I do believe it's still going to rain overnight. We'll check with Eric. He's down there listening to the broadcasters uh, in Louisville to tell us about the track conditions. So, uh, But I, I, I will say... Might want to give an extra look to the European horses who have already had, for the most part, experience on the softer turf, especially some of them in some of the biggest races. But I have to say, I've been watching the Breeders' Cup since it started, and I've never seen more parity. Uh, even in races where you get a standout horse like a Kentucky Oaks winner, you end up with 
two Kentucky Oaks winners <laughs> in Abel Tasman and Monomoy Girl. Uh, so it's going to be really fun watching the races as they come about. And while we're giving you uh, these uh, these hot tips and top handicappers and different ways to go on the card want to remind you there's a free way that you can cash a ticket and that's through winningponies.com so uh, we are offering a breeders cup challenge there's no cost for entry you just in each breeders cup race on saturday's card only we're trying to cut down what you have to do and what we have to count uh, so you'll get the uh, number of listed points if your horse runs first, second, or third. The final time of the Breeders' Cup Classic will be used as the tiebreaker. You just have to sign on uh, with us at uh, Winning Ponies. So first place, 150 bucks in your pocket. Second place, 100 winning credits that are used for our easy win forms. And uh, third gets 75, fourth 50, fifth 25, sixth and seventh 10 winning credits. Closest final time, whether you win or lose, the closest final time will also get 10 credits so you want to pull down those easy win forms heck we're already off and running uh, at churchill downs today we had a one dollar pick three races eight nine and ten that paid two thousand two hundred thirty three dollars so we are clicking there uh, we did close out the keelan meet pretty well with a one dollar super five that paid two thousand six hundred sixty nine you can go on winningponies.com and check us out every day uh, for the winners brought to you by the easy win forms so on a day like days like friday and saturday uh, you're going to want Every edge you can get. Remember, the pools are going to be huge. You can make a large wager, and it's not going to make your horse five to two. So there's going to be big odds. Also, with the parity that I discussed, there's going to be some bombers coming in. So whatever you do, get yourself a saver in every race because it will be no embarrassment to have $2 on a 30-to-1 shot because the next two days are just so wide open. It's unbelievable. So uh, pull down the easy win forms and also come over to Winning Ponies and join our Breeders' Cup Challenge. It costs nothing. Now, for the contest, we will accept entries until 11 o'clock Eastern Time on Breeders' Cup Saturday. You do get one entry per person, and uh, we'll notify you by email. And uh, so uh, best of luck to you. Those are some of the ways you can get there. Hopefully we will. Uh, of course, uh, Breeders' Cup opens with future stars, they're calling it, on Friday. Now, this will be broadcast from Churchill Downs from 3 to 7 on NBCSN, okay? 3 to 7, Eastern Time, NBCSN. And now on Saturday, NBCSN is going to be broadcasting from 1 to 3.30 before they move over to the main NBC channel. And I love this, that the races are going to be on from 3.30 to 6. Yes, Thoroughbred Racing highlighted on a national network, even going up against football. That is fantastic. And if you can't sit in front of a TV, I know you can turn on a computer or a radio and pull down our friends at Horse Racing Radio Network. And, uh, of course, they've been covering things all week long and will continue to. Now, uh, on Friday and Saturday, they'll have live coverage of every Breeders' Cup race uh, so HRRN, 
How do you get there? You go to www.horseracingradio.net and at www.sportsusa. Uh, Friday's broadcast will also be heard on Sirius XM from 3 to 6.30 and Saturday from noon to 6 on Sirius XM 205. So uh, between uh, uh, Horse Racing Radio Network and the Breeders' Cup broadcast on NBC, you're going to have a lot of action to catch, and there's going to be a lot of action on the track. Well, uh, just catch up real quick on some national news. We lost Larry Snyder this week, uh, 76 years old. Uh, just earlier in the week, they had dedicated the Winter Circle at Oaklawn Park to Larry. Uh, Larry uh, rode his first winner at a place called River Downs in Cincinnati, Ohio. During his career, though, man, what a rider he turned out to be. 6,388 races. He rode for 36 years from 1960 to 1996, and he was the sixth rider in North America to hit 6,000 when he did that back in 1989. And uh, one of his biggest wins came the same year when he won the Arkansas Derby aboard Frankie Brothers trained Dan Seal. Of course, uh, he and Larry Brothers got to know each other uh, when Jack Van Berg was riding Larry Snyder all those years. And then when Frankie broke out on his own, he rode Larry a lot. He's originally a native of Ohio, Toledo, and uh, he led all North American riders and wins in 1969 with 352. He had eight riding titles at Oaklong, another six at Louisiana Downs. The cool thing about Larry Snyder is he was a class act, and he went on to become a steward uh, in Arkansas for many, many years, and uh, he will be missed, a great rider, Larry Snyder. An up-and-coming great rider, Tyler Gaffleone, gets his first Keeneland riding title, and he was named Jockey of the Week. He, I don't believe he had ever even been there before, except for maybe a, a mountain and a stakes race or something, but this was his first full meet at Keeneland, and now he says he's going to ride full-time, you know, in in this area. He won 15 races. Uh, You know, Julia Le Peru finished in second with 12 wins, and uh, among Gaffalona's victories were the Shadwell Turf Mile, grade one with next shares, and the Lexus Raven Run, grade two, with that long shot filly, Shamrock Rose. Uh, You might want to remember that uh, he was the 2015 winner of the Eclipse Award for Outstanding Apprentice Jockey, and he won his first riding title that same year at the Gulfstream Park Spring Meet. A up-and-coming young man. We're going to watch him, of course, with all of the uh, Ortiz brothers as young and -and up-and-coming riders. So uh, that's a look pretty much at the national news and what's going on and what's going on of course is the breeders cup one more time a reminder we are offering a free contest here at winningponies.com you want to pull down your easy win forms and uh the action starts tomorrow well early in the day at churchill but the first breeders cup race will happen at two 36. Again, these are all two-year-old divisions. Should be very interesting. The stars of tomorrow will be stepping out on the track. Now, the question is, what kind of track will they be stepping out on? Will it begin to dry out? Are the rains continuing in Louisville? We're going to find out because we got a man that's right there that's going to be with us next. 
popular guest here on Winning Ponies. His name is Eric Wing, and we're going to fly to him right after these commercial broadcasts. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and back with me is Eric Wing. I told you at the top of the show that uh, my friend Ed Meyer, he kind of ran out of uh, uh, power at his house and didn't think it would be really good to, to be doing live radio, uh, not knowing whether or not he, his phone was going to last or not. So I, I called on my friend uh, Eric Wing from com. As it turns out, he's actually in Louisville. And taking in the races, I hope to see him tomorrow. Eric Wing, how are you? I'm great, John. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm high and dry. And one of the things I, I, I wanted to check, out, check with you on was the weather in Louisville. Now, before I get there, everybody corrects me. If I say Louisville, they say, John, that's not how you say it. It's Louisville. But then I go down to Louisville, and I watch the news, and they're like, the weather here in Louisville tonight is... I mean, what's the deal? I mean, is it Louisville or is it Louisville? Uh, it's Louisville, and I'm guessing maybe those uh, newscasters are all like they, they worked in smaller markets in other parts of the country first and haven't quite learned uh, how to pronounce the local city yet. You would think they would get uh, corrected very quickly on that, but, um, uh, you know, the rest of the country... Doesn't go to Kentucky, calls it Louisville, but everyone here, to everyone here, it's Louisville. But those, but yeah, those newscasters but, uh, all work work all over the country, so I don't know. That's my uh, only uh, yeah, theory. I mean, 
Yeah, cause, I mean, I was listening to the radio and all kinds of people. They're calling it Louie. But either way, you're in one of those two places tonight, and you were at the track today, and there was no doubt about it. It was sloppy. Now, looking out your uh, magnificent view from the Galt House there in uh, downtown Louisville, uh, give us the weather report and what you've heard the predictions are. Well, uh, John, uh in the interest of full disclosure, my view is of the parking garage, but uh, be that as it may, <laughs> uh, uh, it's it's not raining out now. Um, the rain sort of stopped around between 6 and 7 o'clock Eastern, um, so it's really not supposed to rain anymore. Now, the track was a soupy mess all day long. I think... I've had this conversation with a few people. I think it's going to be fast by, like, I, I think the first two races, or excuse me, maybe the first four races, the non-Breeders' Cup races, are going to be good, muddy or good. And then I I think, you know, Shazam, when the first Breeders' Cup race is about to begin, and the first two are on grass. So by the time the first Breeders' Cup race on dirt goes off, which is the juvenile fillies, and not until 4.40 p.m. I predict you'll see a fast track. The turf course is another question. I think that it's got to be yielding just based on all the, the water that it took today. Um, I don't think we'll see it as, as good as good, but I, I would predict the yielding turf and a fast main track for the Breeders' Cup races, three of which are on turf and two are on dirt. All right. Now, uh, again, we're, we're talking with uh, Eric Wing, uh, who's uh, pinch hitting for Ed Meyer. Both these guys have a lot in common is that I, I took their old jobs. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, from Eric. Eric was the uh, the president of the Turf Publicists of America, and I was uh, blessed to inherit that position from him. And, uh, hey, did you get your recent newsletter, by the way? Uh, I did, but don't tell Dave Zenner. I haven't read it yet. Okay, you should. There's a great profile on page two. Be sure to cover that. So, uh, you know, pull up your TPA newsletter. Uh, but, uh, Eric, uh, now, I think the one of the obvious things w- with your uh, weather report is that they, they fixed the main track pretty fast at Churchill. You and I have both seen that on Derby Days. But yep. how much do you think that the soft or yielding turf over the next two days is going to play into the hands of the so many European runners that have decided to come over? Uh, I think you have to take each horse on a case-by-case basis, John. In general, I think more soft horse capable euros have come this year because it's in Kentucky rather than California. Having said that, horses will ship to the Breeders' Cup often in part because they want firmer turf than they've gotten in Europe. So what I would do is just a very, you know, basic fundamental scanning of the PPs and see look at whether horses is performance Performances varied in Europe based on the ground there, and and just adjust accordingly. So I don't think there's an easy answer to that. I think it will help the Euros more than it hurts them, but for some Euros, it will indeed hurt them. 
Interesting. I, I have, though, in what, uh, what little time I've had uh, to go over this massive card, uh, particularly on Saturday, found several top runners um, who have already excelled in Group 1 races on yielding or soft turf courses. So uh, we may get to those races. I'm not sure. There's so many uh, to select from. So, Eric, I, I know I put you on the spot. And once again, I appreciate you greatly uh, you jumping in as quick as you did. But let's just say on tomorrow's card, uh, give me a race or two that kind of interests you or enticed you or has an interesting angle. Uh, yeah, for me... Well, there's a horse with a really interesting angle in the first of the of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile races. Uh, the Juvenile Turf Sprint, first time ever the race has been run. John, it's about the only time you're going to see a two-year-old face uh, fellow two-year-olds after just having raced against older, and that's number two, Soldier's Call, who ran third in the grade one uh Pre de la Forêt at, uh, at Saint Cloud, and that was a race for horses two years old and up. And wow. he did really well. He was third in that race. Now he got a, a weight break of between 13 and 17 pounds, but in terms of you know horses who have gotten a uh, you know you're talking about an angle, that's about as big as it gets. The two year old who has just finished racing against elders and now dropping back in against straight two-year-olds. So that one's very interesting. She doesn't have to, he doesn't have to win, but that's a pretty nice class edge to have going into a race like that. Um, the other horse I'm really interested in is, um, is in the juvenile Phillies, and that's number two, Serengeti Empress for, for uh, Tom Amos and, yes. uh, and yes. Corey Lannery. You like that one? Yes. I, I, uh, this horse is owned by one of my members of the Ohio Thoroughbred Breeders and Owners, uh, Dr. Uh, Joel Politi. He was on the show last week. And there's a great, uh, in the blood horse today, uh, Alicia uh, Hughes-Wentz wrote a great story about how, what a, a moment this would be for Corey Lanry. Uh, w- with the r- recent passing of his wife, and yeah, yeah, he's, he's been a leading rider at Churchill, but he's never won a Breeders' Cup race, and uh, that this would be a great blessing. And you know, uh, Tom Amos was saying things like, "Well, you know, you you really don't like to use the word freak, uh, <laughs> but a lot of people are saying this horse uh, could could be a freak," and. Uh, and I, I ran into a guy I really respect, Tom Ham, who's uh, one of the top guys at Three Chimneys now. And he goes, yeah, John, but uh, I'm, I'm not crazy about her numbers. I'm like, Tom, she's never run a final furlong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, there's the rub. Uh, by the way, let me correct something I said earlier, John. That was the pre de la Bay that Soldier's Call ran in, and that was at Longchamp, not uh, – Include. Anyway, getting back to the to Serengeti Empress, you were asking about angles. I love two-year-olds that have two blowout wins. Um, usually, Timmy, that's indicative of a special horse. I'm, I'll never forget a Fleet Alex doing that as a two-year-old, and he really went on to be a good horse. Um, Serengeti Empress, 
has won her last two by 19 and 13 lengths, which typically two-year-olds just don't do. Um, and yes, the numbers, the buyer speed figures don't don't knock your socks off. Um, but you know, none of the others knock my socks off. The, the the horse that's the figure horse is on the outside, Bellafina. Simon Callahan coming to Kentucky from the outermost post, post 11. Um, I'm more interested in Serengeti Empress for Amos and Lannery. It would be a fairy tale story, I suppose, for Lannery, but even uh, subtracting that out, it's, uh, you know, I think the horse can, can certainly win just under her own merits. Well, we'll find out. Obviously, in this race, a lot of speed, you know, two-year-olds, you're going to see it. But it'll be very interesting to see. Obviously, she's going to be getting pressed. Uh, but, I mean, this horse has won, won her debut after spitting out a 44 and change first half and won easy. The only race she lost is when the jockey lost his whip up at Saratoga. We just don't know. And Tom Amos has not gotten to the bottom. And Corey Landry says, I don't know either because I've never had to ask her. He says, but usually by the time we got between the quarter pole and the eighth pole, I look over my shoulder and there was nobody there. And he said, why beat her up when we know that this is what we're pointing towards. Yeah, and those two races, it, it, I mean, I think it's fair to point out that those two blowout wins weren't, you know, a maiden race and a one other than. They were two stakes races. Now, granted, they were the Ellis Park debutante and the Pocahontas at, at Churchill, maybe not the, the biggest dates on the two-year-old Philly calendar. But still, I mean, what more is she supposed to have done in those two races, they win by 13 and a half and 19 and a half lengths, respectively. I mean, she's just, she will get pressed, but to me, she's the best until proven otherwise. I don't care what the buyer speed numbers say. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of glad her buyer number's a little off. That, that gives us a shot at actually getting that 7 to 2 morning line price against horses with a higher last out buyer like Restless Rider, who you know, is is fine, but you know, no great shakes. Jaywalk, who achieved her buyer while loose on the lead at Belmont, going one turn, and Bellafina, who's got a bad post tomorrow. I, I love it, man. I'm glad you zeroed in on that horse because I I will be pulling for for that horse. Um, now. I, I've been kind of keeping you on the Friday card. I, Eric Wang is with us from Horse Tourneys. Uh, the Saturday card is so massive, it's got my head spinning. But uh, can can you help me with a race that you like in there, Eric? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, on balance, I think the Saturday card, top to bottom, is more interesting than the Friday card. I suppose that stands to reason because they stack their better races in theory. Uh, for last, um, there are some very difficult races, in my opinion, including, you know, races such as the uh, the Philly and Mare Sprint and the uh, the Philly and Mare Turf. Very difficult. The Breeders' Cup Mile. Very difficult. Um, I'm interested in World of Bull and the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint for Jason Service. He's got three in the race. Um, might be interesting to note the. One of the favorites, if not the favorite, will be Disco Partner, who was a close third in this race last year at Del Mar. Ridden virtually every start by Arad Ortiz Jr., who, surprise, shows up on World of Trouble in this race, a year old. Some may remember 
him as an early season derby candidate in Tampa. Um, but uh, last two races, won the Allied Forces by five lengths at Belmont. Not easy to, to, to win a race on the turf at Belmont, let alone a sprint by that uh, margin of victory. The only other turf sprint the horse ran was a win at Saratoga, which may not look as impressive on paper, but I'm here to tell you, John, he did it from post one, which is not easy to do on the Saratoga five-and-a-half furlong turf course layout. So this horse has run two super races, enough to attract Ortiz away from the likely favorite in Disco Partner. Um, also, oddly for a turf sprint, not a lot of speed in this race, and World of Trouble has it, and World of Trouble has run well on a soft turf course. Six to one morning line, I'm expecting four to one. I'll still take it. I love it. Now, uh, doesn't Disco Partner lay claim to a world's record? Yeah, we, uh, in the poker, um, I think he ran 130-something. Um, I, I don't know if it's still a world record, but uh, it was at one time. He, he ran a hole in the wind, as they say. Well, I... I, I, I We'll definitely take a look at your horse. My heart in this race, though, will be with Buchero. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a state bred program kind of guy. Uh, this has got to be the greatest Indiana bred, I think, of all time. He's being retired after this race at Stan Stud in Florida. I did watch him gallop out. And another thing I like is people are going to go, who the heck is Fernando de la Cruz? Well, Fernando de la Cruz, the jockey that will be riding that afternoon, is the guy that just fits Buchera like a glove. And I like the fact that there was probably some big-name Jack open, and Tim Glyshaw said, no, I'm going to dance with the one that brung me. And Fernanda De La Cruz, who was up for the gallop on Tuesday that I watched, that was pretty impressive. This is a big, powerful horse. He's listed at 10 to 1. I think he'll be overlooked. I'm not saying he's going to win it, but in a race that's totally wide open, I'd keep him on your ticket somewhere. Well, I would be remiss, Eric Wing, uh, if I did not uh, ask you to chime in on the $6 million Breeders' Cup Classic. Yeah, and, and it's a good race as it always is. Um, the horse that has struck me all year long is, uh, it, it, I, I suppose the favorite's going to be accelerate on the outside and absolutely no reason why that horse can't win. Um, it, it's sort of been his year. My net Bisc is a very interesting horse as is West coast to Baffert uh, seems to be very bullish on despite getting beat by Accelerate last time out. The horse may not win, but I can't. I, my money's going to be on Catholic Boy. And I know he missed the work and got a little ill. But um, ever since this horse went, uh, from June on, this to me the horse has been semi-freaky. Um, had no business winning either the Penine Ridge or the Belmont Derby on grass, yet came back to win. And then the Travers, I was completely impressed by just drawing away from Mendelssohn almost at will in that race. And that was the good Mendelssohn. And Mendelssohn came back to run a superb race in the Jockey Club Gold Cup, chasing a fast pace. And, and Catholic Boy just laughed at him in the Travers. To me, Catholic Boy has been kind of the horse all year long who sort of, sort of breathes different air. 
and and that's the one I want on uh, on late Saturday afternoon. All right. Well, my two aunts that are Catholic nuns would be more than happy to hear you say that, Eric. I can guarantee you that. Hey, real quick, I've got to go to break, but I know Horace Turney is going to kind of like back off and say, let Breeders' Cup have their day, but you're having a pretty good day on Sunday, aren't you? Oh, we got a big day on Sunday. In fact, we kind of backloaded all the, all the tournaments we'd normally run on Friday and Saturday into Sunday, so we've got nine featured tournaments. We got a $20,000 cash game with at least ten thousand guaranteed for a uh, hundred and ninety bucks. Um, an NHC qualifier over at Horse Players, and we got qualifiers to tournaments at Del Mar and Monmouth and Gulfstream. So whether you whether you want to play to get to another tournament, or you want to play to get to the NHC, or you just want to play for some straight cash, um, you can do it all at Horse Tourneys. It's a lot of fun. Once you try it, I know you'll love it. It's a it's a Terrific website, very very uh, user friendly and intuitive, and and uh, if you're looking for action uh, and you don't have a Breeders' Cup hangover, Horse Tourneys is your place on Sunday. <laughs> Eric Wing, thanks so much for helping me out this evening. Uh, I will uh, see you hopefully in person tomorrow, and until then, enjoy that view of the parking garage from the Galt House this evening. <laughs> Thank you so much. I, uh, it, I, as soon as we hang up, I plan to uh, gaze out at it once more. <laughs> a ting of beauty. All right, that was Eric Wing from Horace Tourneys. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, my main man, Dan Illman from DRF.com is going to be with us. You're listening to Winning Ponies. <laughs> The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com.
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me right now, according to the feedback I get from our listeners, is one of our favorite guests here on Winning Ponies. He is the anchor at the desk at drf.com, and he's got a lot of work to do over the next 48 hours. Dan Illman, how are you? Doing great, John. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, especially before these huge weekends. And as you know, I always save you for the big ones. I, I, I love to do that. And remember, anybody can see you every weekend on drf.com. Now, what what does a 48-hour you know, uh, race storm that we are about to uh, 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 experience affect you on the set or with your plans? I mean, this is not a regular weekend at drf.com. It's a lot of caffeine, John, a lot of caffeine, whether it's soda or coffee to keep me up. But, I mean, the racing's exciting, but when you're doing extensive stakes previews, as we do for each Breeders' Cup race, we've got some great handicappers, Matt Bernier and Mike Beer and I. We go through the the nine, uh, the third, nine Churchill Downs Breeders' Cup races on Saturday and, of course, the big five at Churchill Downs on Friday. And then we've got, you know, po- players' podcasts for uh, Peter Thomas Fornatel and Jonathan Kinchin and Nick Luck from NBC comes on to do his European analysis. Webinars with Daily Racing Forum National Handicapper Mike Watchmaker and Southern California analyst Brad Free. More webinars with the Time Form U.S. guys. Full-length programs like Out of the Gate where you get so many different opinions and replay watches and trainer statistics and so much more. Just head on over to video.drf.com. You'll see why I'm exhausted by the end of each week. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, if there was a Mount Rushmore of my favorite handicappers, you just named them all, Dan, you included. Uh, I had Jonathan Kinchin on, I think it was three weeks ago. Uh, we did four races. I think he nailed three of them, and he ran second in another, and the horse paid 1480 So that's uh, quite a credit to the people that you have in your stable of stars. Well, the advantage we have is these guys love the game. They love to bet. I mean, Jonathan right now is, I'm sure, scouring the racing form for the umpteenth time. He is preparing for the Breeders' Cup betting challenge, and he's going all in in a lot of these races. And uh, our guys at DRF, they're passionate about the game. They're fans of the game. They also like to try to make money at the windows. And we try to give as much information as we can uh, for the great fans uh, at home who uh, may not have as much time to scour through the PPs as we do. Absolutely, and you guys do a great job. I believe one of your brethren uh, was uh, receiving uh, the the Turf Riders Award uh, last night. Marty McGee, who's your one of your boots on the grounds guys. I mean, uh, you've got a fantastic team working at Churchill. I'm sure a lot of information uh, is being exchanged between the guys there and the guys working the desk in New York. Uh, how does that coordination go? 
Well, it coordinates pretty smoothly, I would have to say. We've got some great producers working behind the scenes on DRF-TV, and if we need something from any of our guys out in the field, it's just as simple as an email, a phone call, or a text, and our guys are willing and ready to go. We've got Byron King, Churchill Downs uh, analyst. He's got a video up on video.drf.com talking about the track tendencies of Churchill Downs, the little intricate little biases, how Churchill Downs is affected by wet weather, and you know we've had a lot of wet weather in Kentucky over the last few days. We've got Marcus Hirsch on the ground in Kentucky. He is an expert with these European horses. He gives two extensive videos previewing the chances of the European runners, runners that many of us have not seen video replays for. Uh, These are invaluable insights, and we're very, very blessed to be able to coordinate with these guys on the field, our guys in the studio. Of course, Matt Bernier is going to be uh, on the NBC telecast, you know, national telecast, and he's down there as well, but we've had his analysis for all of the races as well. So, again, everyone's working together at DRF trying to put out a really good product, and I'm proud of what we've done. And you, and you do. And, again, I mean, you, your presentation and so many of our friends that says, I love that guy, Illman, man. He comes off so smooth. He ought to be on NBC himself. But, anyhow, Dan Illman, one of the things you do during the early months, and I'm not going to pigeon you a whole to doing the, the five baby races, but I do want your opinion on, let's say, two of the races that are going to happen tomorrow. You got it. No sweat. I mean, I'm ready for 14, so give me two. That's easy. <laughs> well, the, the one I have a lot of personal interest in is uh, the uh, Tito's Handmade Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. It, uh, it has assembled an amazing group of horses, uh, but I've got a couple of personal interest in here, and I'd be interested in seeing your analysis of that race. It's going to be carded as race seven tomorrow going off at 440. First thing I noticed about this race is, boy, doesn't Simon Callahan specialize with these two-year-old fillies? I mean, just look at the quality two-year-old fillies he's had in recent years. Abel, Tasman, Moonshine, Memories. And now he's got Bella Fina coming off a couple of grade one stakes wins, and she's the favorite and deserving one in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Fillies. She's going to be real tough in this spot, John. And I, I hate to come out here and say, I like this two-to-one shot in the Juvenile Fillies, but... I like this two-to-one shot in the juvenile fillies. I think she's going to probably sit a very good trip. She's got good tactical speed. I think Serengeti Empress and Corey Lannery are going to be sent from their inside post position of post position two. And I think Flavian Pratt's going to try to lap on with Bellafina, and she should be prominent when they turn into the stretch. You know, Simon took a little bit of a risk last time out. Took the blinkers off, stretching her out around uh, two turns, despite the fact that she was winning with blinkers. And I thought it was the smoothest and most professional I ever saw her. She sat off another horse. She was not speed crazy. She changed leads on cue, something she did not do with the blinkers. I liked what I've seen from her in Southern California. I think they're going to have to have them pretty much nailed on tight to beat her. Uh, I've been very impressed with Restless Rider for Kenny McPeak. I like the fact that uh, she's coming into this race off a good win in the Alcibiades. That was a good two-turn win where she sat behind horses. There's a chance that this pace is fast, where you've got Serengeti Empress, you've got Bellafina, you've got Jaywalk. Maybe another horse or two decide to go out there for the lead. She might be the strongest closer, restless rider, but I've been very impressed with Bellafina. These Southern California two-year-olds always seem to fire on these Breeders' Cup days. Uh, She's my top pick. Wish I could be a little bit more clever. That's why you don't have to be clever, but... um I'm really liking Sarah Ganey Ampersand here. You know, I've 
talked earlier with uh, Eric about the the speed figures. This horse has never run a final furlong. If you go back and look at her races, she's so far on top turning for home that the jockey just wraps up on her. It's very, it's really remarkable. I think her last two wins have come by a combined 33 lengths, and she's never given her opponents any chance to get into the race at any point. She just runs them off their feet. That Ellis Park debutante was an eye-opener, and I really thought her career debut, I believe it was in Indiana Grand, was very, very impressive as well. But that Ellis Park debutante was a true eye-opener, and last time out, she ran hard every step of the way, I thought, without being asked to run. And, and I think that's very impressive, to carry your speed a distance of ground for a lightly raced two-year-old. Now, in this race, if Bellafina breaks and if Flavian Pratt decides to engage Serengeti Empress, this will be the first true test that Serengeti Empress has had since adopting these powerful front-running tactics. Is she good enough? We're going to find out on Saturday, but she, I mean, visually, she might be the most impressive filly coming in. It's good. It's going to be a great race. I don't know what time you got on to uh, listen to Eric Wing, who's down there, but his prediction is is that by early afternoon, uh, the track's going to be potentially fast, as good as they work a track at Churchill Downs. So it, it'll be interesting. I hope everybody has a, uh, a, a you know good racing surface to go on. Well, while we're on the two-year-olds, and I want to get you to some of the older horses, though, uh, the, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, uh, always a uh, race that uh, has a chance to stamp greatness or create Eclipse Award winner. Uh, who are you looking at in there? Well, nice East West matchup, isn't there, with two undefeated horses trained by phenomenal trainers. You've got complexity on the East for Chad Brown. You've got a game winner from the West for Bob Baffert. I think the consensus among most handicappers is that game winner's versatility and experience around two turns gives him an edge over complexity. Uh, and the fact that he can sit off what could be a fast pace gives game winner the edge. But I've been so impressed with complexity that I'm going to give him a shot as the second choice to upend game winner. I think he's the speed of the speed if that's how Jose Ortiz wants to play it. If Jose wants to make the front, I think he can. The way he separated himself from the rest of the field at the halfway point of the Champagne to me was very, very impressive. And he kept right on going to win that prestigious one-turn mile. Now, a mile and a sixteenth? a little bit of a question mark. I have faith the complexity can get the mile and a 16th. I don't believe he's a derby horse, a mile and a quarter type like game winner might be. But I think if complexity is able to get to the lead and at some point relax on the lead, game winner and all these others, they're going to have a tough time coming to get him in the stretch. So I think complexity has an opportunity to make it two Breeders' Cup juveniles in a row for Chad Brown. And I give him just the very slightest of margins over game winner, who is a very likable horse in his own right. Again, the two favorites in here. Keep an eye on Gunmetal Gray, though, perhaps as a horse that might be able to pick up the pieces at the very least. This is a horse who chased game winner in vain last time out, but it was a short field without a lot of pace. There'll be more speed this time around i think gunmetal gray is going to come with a good run and at least get a piece of this yeah i got to watch him uh gallop the other morning and i'll tell you what hollendorfer uh has done a great job and he kind of looks i haven't seen him that you know in person before and i know he ran second a game winner but he just looks like a horse that um is filling out and he relished going over the churchill track uh absolutely you know Large strides. He wasn't being asked to work. He was just galloping. But, I mean, he looked happy. And uh, 
yeah, definitely. He's going to be on any exotic ticket that, that I'm playing for sure. We're talking with Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum. Dan, let's move into the impossible Saturday card, but certainly one that all players are going to love. Um, so I'm going to sit back and ask you, what race amongst this group brings Dan Elman's attention the most as far as one he thinks he can maybe play and make some money on? Well, I think if I had to single one horse in any kind of multiple race wagers, it's Roy H. on the sprint. And I wonder if he'll even be the favorite in that race, John, because let's be honest, Imperial Hint has been visually impressive. We talk about Serengeti Empress's last two races, Imperial Hint's last two races, the grade one Vanderbilt at Saratoga, the grade one Vosburg at Belmont. And maybe they were only grade ones in name only this year, but this horse never got out of a gallop in either one of those races. I wonder if the track has a little bit of moisture. I wonder if he likes Churchill Downs. I wonder if he got enough out of that last race. That race was really like a public workout. He didn't get asked for run at all. I think Roy H. is coming up to this race in carbon copy form as last year when he won the Breeders' Cup Sprint at Del Mar. You'll notice in his two prior races to last year's sprint, he ran second at Del Mar with a sub-triple-digit buyer speed figure. He then scored in the Santanita Sprint Championship with a triple-digit buyer, and then he exploded in the Breeders' Cup. Similar situation here, and I like that most recent prep. It was not a strong pace up front, but he finished. He was asked to finish. He gets a very nice outside post position in here, and I think Promises Fulfilled is going to be occupied on the lead by Roy H.'s uncoupled stable mate, Distinctive B, who might be in here as more of a pace-pressing factor. You know Imperial Hint's going to be up close. I think Roy H. is going to be on the outside, in the clear, and I expect him to, to run another big race in the Breeders' Cup Sprint. I think he can successfully defend his title. And if I can get him home, then I can spread in some of these other races surrounding and hopefully tap into those big multiple race pools. <laughs> I love it. Again, we're, we're uh, blessed to have Dan Elman on with us here on, on Winning Ponies. Well, um, let, let, let me give you this toss of the coin here in the Breeders' Cup distaff. I don't think it's too often in the history of racing that we see two Kentucky Oaks uh, winners facing off each other. And in this race, we have Abel Tasman, who tailed off a bit in the Zenyatta. Not sure what the story was there, though she bobbled at the start, and that's not really her preference to come too far from off the pace. And then we have uh, Manomi Girl, uh, who uh, won the Kentucky Oaks this year and has since reeled off three consecutive grade one wins. They are both sensational fillies. You mentioned their accolades at Churchill Downs, both Kentucky Oaks winners. Abel Tasman's last race was perhaps one of the more mystifying performances in recent memory. She was 1-10. to 10. As you said, she did not break, and then she never looked like a winner. She just went out around that track like an old cow and never ran at all. And that's not Abel Tasman. <laughs> Abel Tasman we know is a Kentucky Oaks winner. The Abel Tasman we know is a Breeders' Cup Distaff runner-up as a three-year-old. The Abel Tasman we know is capable of running gigantic triple-digit buyer races like we saw in the Ogden Phipps at Belmont earlier this year. If ever a horse deserves a mulligan, it's probably Abel Tasman because of her stellar overall record. 
I hate playing horses coming off dud races at short prices. So if you're a horse player, you have to say to yourself, what price do I want to take on Abel Tasman? You look at her on the, on the line, she's very, very fair. I think it's going to be a situation where Monomoy Girl or Abel Tasman are going to be 8-5 to five and 9-5. to five. And if that's the case, I'm just going to try to beat Abel Tasman. The rumor circulating around the backstretch after Abel Tasman's last race was there was a sickness going around the Baffert barn and she was lethargic. If you believe that, and you believe Abel Tasman comes back to her best form, she might be better than Mona Moy Girl. But I'm going to take a swing against her. I just don't like playing horses off dud races. As for Mona Moy Girl, I think if she continues her upswing, she's the one to beat. I mean, she's, what, a head and a disqualification away from being undefeated in her career? She's really good. But, but I want to make a case for a horse that I think is flying under the radar, and I think that's Midnight Bizu. Midnight Bizu, I think, is on par with Monomoy Girl. Maybe not as good, but very, very close, and she's going to be triple the price, if not more. We saw in the cotillion last time out, and a mile and a 16th helps Midnight Bizu, maybe not a mile and an eighth on Saturday, but she came right there with trouble, and it was eventually put up via disqualification. And when Monomoy Girl beat her at Saratoga, I think Monomoy Girl had all the best of it from a pace situation. All indications from our clocker, Mike Walsh, down there is that Midnight Bizu is training in tremendous fashion for Steve Asmussen, and I wonder if she's the surprise package at a nice price. I'll take a little swing with her. Um, but again, you know, you always have to worry about Abel Tasman, Mona Moy Girl. They're going to take a lot of money, deservedly so. I'm going to take a little stab with Midnight Bizu. All right. Again, we got Dan Elman with us for a couple more minutes here on Winning Ponies. And uh, let's go to the Longines Breeders' Cup turf. Uh, obviously, the uh, Super Philly Enable might be one of the few horses on Saturday's card to say this is the one to beat. I mean, let's face it. She's won nine of her ten career starts, eight and a half million dollars, a rare two-time winner of the Arc de Triomphe, and she did that last year on a soft track. Dan, give me your read on this race. Uh, some people are saying that uh, there's a chance that maybe Waldgeist, uh, who finished behind her in this year's Arc de Triomphe, uh, could be ready for an upset. And Valdez is a nice horse. He just finished behind Enable in the arc. He had a little bit of trouble in that race. I'm not sure he beats her with a clear trip. I tried to, to get clever. I watched all the replays of all the horses in this race. I'm not going to try to go too deep in beating Enable. I don't want too much money in against her. And I know a lot of folks are saying, but what about the arc curse? The winners of the ARC come over here, and they yes. underperform in the Breeders' Cup, and it's too much too soon after a taxing race. But I think Enable might be one of the freshest ARC winners we've seen in recent memories, if ever. This is only her third start of the year, and she's supposedly looking really good on the track at Churchill Downs. She draws a great inside post position. I think Frankie Vittori can do whatever he wants with her, put her in a good spot. And I think if you show her a, a, a seam turning into the stretch, she might just simply be better than these horses. If the course is really slow, maybe give Channel Maker a chance with the North American horses. But we'll not change tactics with this horse recently. Wanted her up close to the pace, and we have seen just a different channel maker, a horse that seems to relish being put into the race early, and he's won two out of his last three races on soft ground. He's a horse that's really interesting at a price, but again, I don't want to get too funny against a horse like a Nabel, a horse that could be a one-for-the-ages type. All right, Dan, well, my producer's telling me I'm running out of time. Real quick, your stab in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Catholic boy, mile and a quarter, dirt turf, like the way he's training for Jonathan Thomas, think he's going to be a decent price. 
All right, Dan Elman from DRF.com, the Daily Racing Forum. Watch them all weekend long if you're not going to be down at Churchill Downs at the Breeders' Cup. want to remind everybody that we do have a contest here on Winning Ponies. Come on over and join us. It's free to get in. Again, I want to thank so much to Eric Wing and to Dan Illman. And I want to thank all of you for listening to us on Winning Ponies. Pull down your easy win forms. And remember, when you go to the races... Bet with your head, not over it, but this is the weekend you want to bet big. I'm John Engelhart. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.